There are some consequences when everybody is operating from a position of ownership. For example, I would tell the students that I couldn't teach them anything, since each of them was in charge of what they learned. Now, this is a strange statement from someone playing the role of professor at that moment. I would continue by saying that nobody had ever taught me anything, nor has anybody ever taught you anything. Again, this may seem strange to you since, if you are statistically normal in this culture, you will think and say that your teachers have taught you a great deal. That way, thinking and phrasing makes it seem as if the teacher is powerful and the student is an empty vessel where the teacher pours in knowledge, known as the mug and jug approach. I propose that the teacher is powerful within and that the student is also powerful within. The teacher's role is to set up a cafeteria line of ideas and information. It is the student's role to select and sample for what is useful and valuable, keep what serves them, and ignore or discard what doesn't fit in their interest. That is called learning. This is similar to buying and selling. Selling is offering, and the buyer decides to make the deal or not. If there is nobody offering items for sale, there is no buyer. Also, if there are no buyers, the potential seller will not make a sale. Getting back to the classroom, I would say that I have some thoughts and ideas to place on the cafeteria line that you may find useful, and it's up to you to determine if they are of value for you or not. Pick out what you want, and experiment to see if they are useful to you, never mind if they are useful for anybody else. That is your end of the deal, since I know I can't teach you anything. I would recommend that you don't sit there passively waiting for me to teach you something. I confess my impotency with you because we are dealing with the psychological area, not the physical or the financial. I would also recommend that you change your pronouns to reflect ownership. Instead of saying and thinking, she taught me a great deal, I would suggest, I learned a lot when I was in her class. Marlowe found a comic, Non Sequitur by Wiley Miller, to illustrate this situation. Should you be studying for tomorrow's math test? Of course not. Oh, why not? Because it's the teacher's job to teach us. So if I haven't learned enough to pass, then it's the teacher who actually fails the test, not me. Oh boy, egocentricity makes me dizzy. Hey, I'm just trying to act like an adult. I see which pronoun is used as a very important distinction. And the passive phrasing, that is the passive voice, is far too common in our culture. You can probably anticipate my view as soon as I mention the next topic. The focus is on convincing, and I think nobody has ever convinced you of anything, nor has anybody ever convinced me of anything. The way I look at it is that I may use some of the data I got from you and convince myself. You don't get to vote, since I have the only vote that counts. Since you have been left in charge of you, your vote is the only one that counts for you. When we phrase our experience passively, as in, he convinced me, 
Where is the ownership? What happened to our power? Non-existent. In terms of the passive sentence structure, he, the other person, is the subject or the doer, and me is the direct object, the do-e. If someone else can convince you, then you have no choice or responsibility. On to the next topic, motivation. People go to hear motivational speakers to get motivated. However, the speakers are like teachers, similarly impotent to do the job. I suggest that the only motivation that counts is the one that you decide inside. The speaker, boss, parent, or teacher can invite you to demonstrate motivated behavior using money, threats, praise, and so on. However, it is your choice to respond or not. Some people leave the motivational seminar or the boss's office and use their motivation to grouse about what has been said and the waste of time. Others leave excited, having excited themselves, thinking about how they can utilize the information they just heard. Same talk, different reactions, just like the newspaper article about the homeless man. Thus, I am consistent and tell the students that I am incapable of motivating them, so don't sit there passively waiting for me to change or charge them. The last item is consistent with the three previous topics, and it has to do with influence. Think about it. If I had the ability to influence the class members, I certainly would do it, and I would do it quickly, no long series of classes. However, I think each class member will decide how much influence I have with them, and it is likely to range from a little bit to a lot, not at all sensitive to my vote. However, our cultural norm is full of stories about she was a good influence on me, or he was influenced by the wrong crowd, or society makes me act this way. Once again, where is the owner? The way we think about and phrase our views suggests that people are moldable globs of protoplasm at the effect of society. Incidentally, I have never met society. I've only met individuals. But once again, the cultural norm is to use our power to pretend that some abstract concept, society, is in charge of us. Also, incidentally, I think we are moldable globs of protoplasm, but only from within, by the owner. I would like to add a perspective about experience, which is different from knowledge. Knowledge can be exchanged or transferred, while experience cannot. Experience is what you make up about what you think is going on out there. Within you can be described, but it cannot be exchanged. Think about chocolate ice cream and you can describe the taste, texture, temperature, and so on. However, you cannot transfer the experience. The novice has to actually partake to gain their own experience. Here is another cartoon comic strip to support my contention. The vicar is speaking to Andy. I'm not happy about the don't-care attitude of the youth football team, Andy. Could you talk to them, give them the benefit of your experience? No, thank you, vicar. 
Then I'll have to do it myself. Somebody has to. They've got so much to learn. Uh, so has he. If you think you can give youngin the benefit of your experience, you haven't had much experience. After sharing my inability to teach, convince, motivate, or influence these students, what am I left with? Answer, I can only invite responsible, response-able, and capable individuals to consider the benefits of experimenting with some different ways of thinking. I can begin to set some items on the cafeteria line and invite them to pick up a tray and explore some different ways of thinking. I also promised the class to share some stories about how some students, seminar participants, and clients had created value for themselves easily and quickly. At the end of the first class session, I would relate a story about a young man who approached a guru and asked something like, Great Sage, what is the way to liberation and freedom? The elder then asked the youth if he would mind showing him his chains, whereupon the youth became perplexed, looked at his arms and legs, and responded that he didn't have any chains. Then the old man asked, Why would you seek liberation and freedom when you are already unchained? A very interesting question. I then suggested that the students use the freedom that they already were stuck with to experiment with their freedom in a way that serves them better. I also indicated that at the beginning of each class, I would ask for anybody who was willing to share their breakthrough experience, also known as their freedom to operate themselves in a more constructive manner. 